Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. I'm going to sit down today just because I'm feeling it, so I'm going to pray for us. Um, my name is Bud, and I'm the lead pastor here. And um, I'm looking out those empty chairs, and I'm thinking the parking's bad, and people are traveling. So this is for them on the podcast. So let's pray for them on the podcast right now. Father, thanks for um, giving us this time to pause. That you would direct us, direct our thoughts, that you would speak to us, um, not only individually, but especially as a whole. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I've been doing this a lot this summer, but um, I changed the whole message again for this morning. So uh, what I usually try to do is is plan it out like a year in advance, kind of what we're going to be going through and what's important for us as a a people and guest speakers and people that are going to come in. And then um, on a monthly basis, every six weeks, I try to spend more time on each one and line it up. And then on on the week before... I, I feel uncomfortable if it's not completely done by, like, Thursday. Actually, by Wednesday, I'll go through it with a worship team, and then they'll kind of tweak it a little bit, and, and I'm like, okay. And then I just get to sit in it and kind of look around. So um, that was all ready to go. It was Thursday, and then Friday morning, I was like, you just get that feeling? And I, and I warned you. I said, if I ever get this feeling, and it happens on a Sunday morning where I have, like, a message that I feel like I'm supposed to share, and then I feel like, no, this isn't a message. This is just me talking. Then we're just going to ditch it. I don't know what we're going to do. we got some backup plans, but there's no reason for me just to talk for the sake of talking to fill the time. And so Friday morning, this thing was on my heart. And I'm like, how am I going to do this in a day? Like, how am I just going to prepare the whole a completely new message? Lord, I'm not that good. I know other people can do that, but I can't do that. Well, that's what happened. And it wasn't because I'm that good. And I don't know if this is me that good. But the point is, is that this is what was on my heart. And I feel like God put it on my heart, so I want to share it with you guys. And one of the uh, sparks that got this going was this past week. I was, at, um, I was out somewhere, and I ran into a friend of mine. And he's on a staff at another church. And they were dis- he was discussing how they're just really struggling finding people to work in the kids' ministry. And he looks at me, and he goes, you know how it is, man. He goes, but I get it, this is what he said. He goes, I get it. Like, when you come to church, like, people want to just come... And they want to be refreshed, and they want to be healed, and they want to be put back together again. They don't want to come and do stuff. And so he says, I I get that. That's what I want to do a lot of times. And when he said it, like, I understood it. It made sense in my head, but then something else said, no, no. And so being me without any filter, I was like, no. And I just, no, man, that's not why we do this. And then I was like, correcting myself like oh don't tell him what he's supposed to do and I was like well you know what we do and I said the reason that we gather is not so I hope this isn't a shocker to you but we don't put everything together like what can we do to heal people we don't do that what can we do to refresh people I can't even refresh the people in my own house I don't know how I'm going to do it to you guys um what we try to do and our whole hope for gathering on Sunday mornings for gathering in homes for going around the world is we want to We want to give ourselves over to Christ. So we don't come to get, we come to give. 
And so if we set up this model of customers or as clients or um, if we're trying to win people over and so we want to do things to make them feel good when they leave, they're really, that's, it's like, you know that chiclets gum that you get? And when you get it, like, yeah, chiclets gum. And then you put it in your mouth and then like 10 seconds later, the flavor's completely gone and you wonder why you put it in there to begin with. That's the same type of feeling that you would leave with. If we could, if we could, we could refresh you and do something for you and put on some kind of show and then you left, it'd be like the chiclets gum. It would be gone in 10 seconds. What this is all about, us gathering on Sunday mornings, pulling all these little churches, all these home churches, pulling us together to worship God together and to together encourage each other to give ourselves over to Him. Because when we do it together, we're stronger together than we are separate. And so when he said that, something didn't click with me. And this is a good guy. So there's nothing wrong with him, but just the thought process just didn't seem to set right. And it kind of stuck with me and stuck with me. And then I read something else uh, that uh, the captain, Jake Harriman, gave me. He gave me this book, which was amazing. And it's called Love Without Agenda. And the guy's name's Jamie something. But Love Without Agenda. And there was something he said in there that really, with what my friends had sparked what I want to share with you this morning. Because I know... I know that so many of you are coming in and you're going, okay, I need this. So you have an agenda. Like, I'm coming because I want this. Maybe it's, um, God, I, 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 I'm, I'm doing all the right things, so you're going to let me have a baby, right? Or, God, like, like I'm going to worship you, I'm going to do all the right things, and you're going to make sure that I get married, Right? Well, God, I'm going to do this and this and this, and I'm going to honor you, and I'm going to do the things I think I'm supposed to do, and then you're going to make sure that my kid gets into that school or makes that team or that I get those grades or that, God, you're, that girl, she's going to fall in love with me, right? Because, like, I'm walking with you, and good things are supposed to happen to me, and so, like, I'm going to do this, but I'm, I want this with me. I want that too. Like, we approach God with an agenda. And... Think of it this way. To enter the kingdom of God, fat people can't get in. And this is what I mean by fat. Your agendas can't make it in. To enter into the kingdom of God, you've got to come with just you, and you've got to leave all your hopes and your dreams and your thoughts and your expectations and the way you think the world works and all of the things that you want, you've got to leave them behind because that's what God calls us to. When Jesus calls us to him, he bids us to come and die. Yay, hopeful sermon. Yay, all right, let's pray. Go with that. But that's the truth. And as I was wrestling with this with Jeremy, we were meeting yesterday, and I, was, I, I said, I didn't touch base with you on Wednesday because I wasn't, I felt like we were going to go in a different direction. And as I shared it with him, like we both looked at each other and nodded, like, oh, that's why. Like I've heard people talk about backsliding. Like you make a decision to follow Jesus and then you're like, I'm over it. Whatever it is, that means you, you slide back into something. And that, for me, I've never, I've never experienced that. And it's not because I'm the most disciplined person in the world. Trust me. It has nothing to do with discipline. It's completely selfish. Here I am talking about agendas, but here I'm saying that I've been following Christ because of selfishness. Because every minute of every day that I've followed Him, there's been less and less reasons to not follow him. Now that doesn't mean there hasn't been immense suffering. Doesn't mean that there hasn't been immense loss, unmet expectations, 
Or me thinking, God, why is it working out this way? Like, I thought it was supposed to work this way. But there's that trust in who he is. That I trust that God will do what is best, even if I don't like it. So that's what we're going to look at today. And there's a passage that I want us to go to that you probably don't read very often. So if you have your Bibles, um, you can open up to Luke chapter 19. So that's where we're going to be this morning, Luke chapter 19. So, let me give you some background what's happening here. Um, Jesus, this is the end, okay? This is the beginning of the Passion Week. So, this is, if you've, if you've ever heard this passage before and you haven't read it on your own, if you've heard it, you've probably heard it on Easter. Because they'll usually share that in the beginning as Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. And so, it says that Jesus... Uh, went on ahead and went up to Jerusalem as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples. Okay, the Mount of Olives. Usually when you hear the Mount of Olives, you think of him praying, Lord, take this from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Remember that? Take this cup from me. And he's, he hit, the disciples have fallen asleep. He's in the Mount of Olives. And they call it the Mount of Olives because there's these ridiculous, ridiculously old olive trees there. They still stand today. And so I walked there and like, I thought I had some pretty cool olive trees in my backyard. Like these are some olive trees. It looks like, like a Dr. Seuss thing. Like they twist and turn and they were old when Jesus was there. And now they're 2000 years older. I won't give you all the background on olive trees, but they go for a long time. So these Mount of Olives, he's there and, and he's entering in as he's coming down the hill. And he's coming down the hills, he's going to come up. And so he tells two of his disciples, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there. Which is basically like, you know, a little donkey. Um, and tell him I need it. A little weird, right? Like, you're just going to go, you're going to find this guy. Now, I don't know if he had talked with him ahead of time or whatever. But basically, he's sending two people. I need you to go do this for me. Go get the donkey. Okay, let's move on. You'll understand why the donkey's here to begin with. So let's go to the next slide. Down to verse 32. So those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, the owners asked, Why are you untying the colt? So I think they actually took it before asking. uh, And they replied, The Lord needs it. So I guess that worked out. And they brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the colt or the donkey and they put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. Now, why in the world were there people around them? And why were they taking their jackets and throwing them off? And why is he coming down from the Mount of Olives? There's so much going on here. This is the beginning of the week. He's entering Jerusalem. Everybody is expectant. Their hopes are on him. They have an agenda. And I want to show you where this agenda comes from. Because this is the prophecy. And this is what they've expected it to be. So if we go to the next slide. This is from Second Kings 9.13 in the Old Testament. And this was, uh, Jehu was a, a one that became king. So this just happened in the Old Testament. But it started happening a lot. Kind of like this tradition started from this. In haste, every man of them took his garment or his clothes, put it under him on the bare steps, and they blew the trumpet and proclaimed, Jehu is king. So there was this tradition that began way back where people would take their clothes off for an incoming king and they throw it on the ground in front. Zechariah 9.9, this was another prophecy about the Messiah. 
Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So when he's entering on this donkey, there's another, there's another uh, prophecy coming from the Mount of Olives. So all of this is coming together and they're like, yeah! So this is the beginning of the week. They don't know it's going only going to be one week long. But we know that in hindsight. And as he's entering in, they think that the Messiah now is going to change everything and kick the Romans out. That is the plan. That's what's going to happen. They're all expecting on that. Here it comes. That's their hope and their dream. Think about that. Like, yeah, we're going to kick them out and it's us. They're finally going to know that we're Israel and that God is with us and that we stand and we can do this on our own. They're out of here. Finally, we're tired of these people always occupying us. We're finally going to be on our own. They're pumped. So when he came near to the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. They began to sing to him, and they quoted from the Old Testament, from these passages that would talk about the coming Messiah. And this is what they sang. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now I'm sure you all caught this. They're quoting from Psalm 118, right? You all caught that. But they tweaked it. They changed Psalm 118 to fit what they were expected, what they wanted. Can you put Psalm 118 up there real quick? What they were quoting was, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. It doesn't say king there, does it? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. But they put their own stuff into it. Okay, let's go to the next verse. Chase, thanks. So some of the Pharisees in the crowd who had their own agenda said to Jesus, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Rebuke your disciples. Like, they're trying to say you're the coming Messiah. You need to fix this. Like, that's not... No, you need to change that right now. You know how we roll. You're trying to... That, don't do this. You know the kind of authority we have. And then Jesus says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And as he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, he wept over it. Okay, wait, let's pause here for a second. This is the pinnacle of his ministry. Like, everybody's there. Like, think of if, if you were an uh, evangelist today or if you were a pastor and... All of a sudden, everybody came to hear you speak. And as you're coming down the hill, everyone's like crowding around you and they're throwing palm branches. You know, Palm Sunday, they're doing that as well. Another symbol of kings coming. And they're also throwing their clothes out. And everybody's singing, quoting from the Old Testament. You think that Jesus would be excited like, oh, finally, you guys are giving me the glory due. Thank you. You're getting it. But he doesn't. You think this would be the pinnacle, the moment when he would be the most excited. But instead, he cries. He's bummed. He's sad. Why? As he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. What do you mean it is hidden from your eyes? If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. 
but now it is hidden from your eyes. They want him to come in as the king. They have a plan for what he's supposed to do. And they've taken all these prophecies and they've tweaked them so that they fit into their plan, the way they think life should work. And in doing that, they don't get peace. They get the opposite. Because they're coming in with their plan. And like I said, fat people don't get into the kingdom of heaven. And what we mean by that is people with all their agendas. Now, as you know, I say things that when I say them, I'm like, should I really be saying that? This is one of those moments where I'm saying the word fat going, this isn't going to work. But please, understand where I'm coming from here. They're coming in wanting to add something in to Jesus on top of him. Like, yay, we're going to cheer you on because this is what we're getting out of it. Bottom line, they are cheering Jesus because of what they're going to get. That's why they're cheering. And that's why he's crying. John Eshelman, we have him come teach all the time. If you're like, John Eshelman, Esh, because that's all that anybody calls him. When he, we were talking one time and his grandpa uh, would preach. And he said he went to hear his grandpa preach one time. And they were singing the song. So imagine Jeremy, you know, he's playing, hokus, ah, they finish. And then he stands up right next, right? No greeting each other, none of that. And, and in Esh's words, he's this old crotchety man with like glasses and he kind of leans forward and he gets out on the edge and I think everyone's out there and like, oh, what sweet message is he going to give us? And he's like, y'all sing more lies than you tell. And that's how he started his sermon. <laughs> and the reason he did that was in the same way, like, guys, do you know what you're singing? Do you understand the depth of what's in there? There is so, he didn't even know these people. But he knows the human heart well enough to know that we just fall short. I think it got better from there. I'm not really sure. But it's the same kind of approach. Jesus is coming in and they have all this stuff that they're expecting of, that they want. And there's something completely different on tap. In fact, in the beginning of the week, they're cheering. At the end of the week, he's going to be alone on a cross, dying. How does that happen? How does such a radical change happen in one week? Because when Jesus arrives and they take him away, they realize he's not going to fight. They bring him before um, Pontius Pilate and, and they're trying to get him to say, I'm the Messiah and I'm going to take over. But he says, yeah, I'm the Messiah. And then he says, nothing. Like, wait, aren't you going to speak up? Aren't you going to like call the angels from heaven? He even tells Pontius Pilate, if I wanted to, angels from heaven would come and clear everything out. But I won't call on him. And so all the people are realizing, well, he's not going to fight for us. He's not going to give us what we came for. Like, this is what we expected from him. And as soon as Jesus doesn't give them what they want, they disappear. And this is why I felt it was so important for us to bring this up this morning. Because I do that. Because we do that. We come with expectations in life, that if we do this, then God's going to do this. And when God doesn't help, uh, uphold his end of the bargain, then we get upset with God. But the problem is, is we created an agenda for God that he never intended. And we placed it there. Let's keep going in this passage. And we'll come back to that. He says this, The days will come on you when your enemies will build an embankment. Now he's talking to the people of Israel here. This is important to understand. This is a conversation and interaction between him and Israel. So you can't read yourself into this. 
For the days will come on you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. This is not punishment. He's just saying this is what's going to happen. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Now, God doesn't show up too much. There's a few times in the Old Testament where God himself shows up. And there's a primary time when God shows up that I want to draw our attention to. It's when God shows up with Moses. You'll see it in Exodus 3.16 if you wanted to go there. Uh, I don't have it up there. But God tells Moses that he's visited his people in Egypt and he knows of their suffering. And the visitation, it's not just a fact-finding trip. Like, he's not, i got to go check some things out. God doesn't need to do that. But it's an act of deliverance, which means he's coming to deliver them. Right? Which is what the people of Israel wanted anyways at this moment when Jesus is coming. It was the same at Moses' time. This is a theme with the people of Israel. And so he comes and he sends Moses and he says, I'm going to deliver my people. But here's the difference. And you all have this picture in your head of Moses leading the people out, right? And he's walking. And where are they walking? Behind him. Right? And Moses is following the Lord. Right? The cloud. The cloud of God's presence. He's following God out. Because that is what God does when he shows up. He intends that to lead you to peace. To the peace that you really want. Not the peace and the methods you planned on how to get there. Like, if only this were to happen then. But if you were to enter in through that narrow door that doesn't fit you and your agenda. And if we walk in through that door and we just follow God. Then he'll take us and he'll provide us with that peace. It may not be the way you expect it. Most likely you're going to have to go through trials and suffering to get there. Because that's how we grow. That's how we find peace. That's how we really find joy. But he will take you where you need to go. But as he's entering here and he's coming down the Mount of Olives and they're throwing their coats. They're like, yeah, you did it. And he keeps going and they keep standing. Because they're not really going to follow him where he's going. They don't really want to go where he's going. They want what they want when they want it. And he doesn't provide it. And when he doesn't, everybody disappears. And this is a common pattern that we humans do. We all do this. At different times in my life, I'm like, what is going on here? Um, I've shared this story before. But I remember uh, in college, and I'd made that decision. Like, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Like, I am truly going to follow you. Like, I get a fresh start. I'm a freshman. I'm here at school. Let's do this thing. Like, I really want to follow you. I never really did it before, but I'm, I'm in. And that first week was absolutely horrible the way it ended. Beginning of the week, yeah. End of the week, oh, I was literally crying in the top of my bunk. Because I expected God to provide great friends that I'd be barbecuing with for the rest of my life and things would be fantastic. But I ended that night. It was this scam boat trip. So you're on this little boat and scam boat. Some of you are like, what's that word mean? Well, if you're old like me, you're like, oh yeah, like picking up on girls. And the girls were picking up on the guys. And, it's, and it was just such a miserable night. Um, and I had a girlfriend on that and she wasn't on that thing. So I'm trying to hang out with these guys or my friends. And like everybody had their own agenda and they're all over. And by the end of the night, I'm like, this is miserable. And I remember up in my bunk going, Lord, you ripped me off. Like, I committed to following you. 
I gave my entire life over. I'm walking with you. And I'm all alone. And it was... It, it doesn't happen very often. But God showed up and I heard his voice. I didn't even know this was in the Bible. But he said, wait, are you trying to please them? Or are you trying to please me? And that's why I was sad. Because people weren't like... They weren't laying their cloaks down for me, basically. I didn't have everything I was supposed to have. Everything that I wanted. The popularity and all this. And I was like, whew. I felt the fork in the road right there. Like, look, are you going to now live to please me? Or are you going to try to please others? Because you can't do both at the same time. It doesn't work. And that was the beginning for me of a completely new life. What are you carrying in? Like, we all do it. And that wasn't like that was the last time I did it. There were so many moments and tragedies and things. And I'm like, Lord, it's not supposed to work this way. It's not supposed to be that hard. But who said? Me. We come in with these agendas. But that's not why Jesus came. He came to deliver us. He came so that we could have life and we could have it to the full. But for, for that to work, the intent of the way this is supposed to work is that we have to get behind him and walk behind him. And not cheer him on as he goes and does our agenda. Because it won't work. It's not going to happen. You're expecting something that will never happen. And it is one of the scariest decisions you could ever make. Um, we were outside talking about uh, uh, Minka. She just got back from camp. And at camp they have this lake. And then on the lake they have this thing called a blob. And it's this big like air mattress. And when I say mattress it's like... 50 mattresses. But it's one big one. And they fill it with the air. And then you have to jump on it and you have to crawl to the edge and then someone bigger than you jumps on and that launches you because the air pushes down and it launches you. The scariest part is not getting launched. The scariest part is standing there 15 feet above and they say, just, just jump on that pillow thing. Yeah, right. Like, and I'm not afraid of heights. But I'm like, if I jump down there, I could break my legs. And then you're like, well, jump on your back. I'm like, if I jump on my back, I could bite my tongue or my neck could slip. I mean, it just doesn't feel like right. It doesn't feel natural. Like you shouldn't be doing this. That's kind of what it feels like to lay all of the stuff you've been trained to do. You've been trained to be a customer. And we've turned God into the one that we've got to decide. Like, are we going to vote you in or are we going to vote you out? Are we going to let you or not? Instead of realizing, no, like, you, this is a tough decision to leave all of that behind you. But are you in? Are you in? I know it's scary. You've never done this before, but give it a shot. And you've seen the other people go before you, and they're like, it's awesome. But you know what? Those same people, they come back up again, and they're like, whoo, whoo, and they're scared again the second time. Like, look, you just did this. But it doesn't matter. It's like this thing of like you're trusting somebody else. When Jesus is entering in here, he's trusting you to trust him, to get the peace. Can we go to the last verse? Well, this isn't the very, this is the actual prayer. So this is what I want to finish with. Because this is what I want us to finish with praying. Like, what are you supposed to do with this? Like, I don't know what to tell you to do with this. I just felt like it was so strong on my heart that it completely pushed the other message out. And so it's for one of you, or two of you, or maybe all of us. I'm not sure. I know it's for me to be reminded of. But this was the prayer given shortly before this moment, by the way, where they asked, Hey, Jesus, how should we pray? 
And then Jesus said, pray in this way. And this is very similar to Jesus when he was basically sitting up, even as God, the Son of God. He talked to his Father in heaven in the Mount of Olives. And he said, Father, take this cup from me. Like, God, I don't want to do this. God, I don't want to jump. But, not my will be done, but yours. That's what Christ is calling us to. And he's not calling us to something that he hasn't already done himself. And it's worth it. I'm not trying to sell you on this. I'm just telling you, this will provide that full life that Jesus said he came for us. So that you can have life and have it to the full. Maybe not the way you planned but life to the full.